From the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania and Sirius XM, this is the Work and Life podcast, which explores how to create harmony among the different parts of life, work, home, community, and the private self, your mind, body, and spirit. The conversation you're about to hear was originally recorded on the Work and Life radio show on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by Wharton. Here's your host, founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and author of the bestseller, Total Leadership, Professor Stu Friedman. Since 1983, Bob Sutton has been on the faculty at Stanford University as a professor of management, science, engineering, and organizational behavior. He co-founded the Stanford Technology Ventures Program, STVP, and the Hasso-Plattner Institute of Design, which everybody calls the D-School. He received his PhD in organizational psychology from the University of Michigan, just a little bit ahead of me, and he was one of my most influential teachers there, a smart, passionate, funny, generous, great writer, true scholar. He's authored several best-selling books, including The No Asshole Rule, which has been translated into over 20 languages, and most recently... The Asshole Survival Guide, How to Deal with People Who Treat You Like Dirt, an absolute must-read. It's fantastic and incredibly useful. In this episode, I talk with Bob about surviving assholes in your life, a challenge everyone is familiar with, and as a bonus, he offers some useful guidance to folks who called into the radio show when he joined me on it recently. All right, now get set to listen, learn, and be inspired by bully buster Bob Sutton. Bob, welcome. Hi, Stu. It's great to talk to you. It's always a pleasure. Uh, It's my pleasure indeed. So so after writing your best-selling book about assholes in the workplace, what compelled you? I mean, why now the the Asshole Uh, Survival Guide? Well... There is, there is an argument that in society, in the workplace, we might be at peak asshole, peak? Uh, but I hadn't, I hadn't quite planned it this way. But Wait, uh, what, what is peak asshole? Please explain. I, I, I'm ha- I don't know whether I'm joking or not, but uh, you could make the argument, in fact, some people have made the argument that a whole bunch of forces are conspiring, you talk about the breadth of your show, that uh, everything from when people are under more time pressure, it makes them grouchy. Mm-hmm. When there's more status differences, mm-hmm. uh, there's this notion uh, that uh, that people that envy goes up and disdain or scorn goes down. So that's happening. Uh, just flying on an airplane is a pretty good model for what's happening in much of of life. Uh, we've got some mm-hmm. role models in business and in politics who are pretty nasty. That doesn't help. Uh, uh, and then, not to mention the web, one of the big, biggest causes of uh, nasty behavior are lots of evidence that when you don't have eye contact with someone, and even now, it's like, like I, I'm imagining your face, mm-hmm. because I think that sort of helps. When you don't have eye contact with somebody, it, it means you're more nasty, and when, when you don't have eye contact and they're a stranger, well, it's even worse. Wait, wait, uh, wait. You just said when you, when you don't have eye contact, you're more nasty, or did you yeah. mean the opposite? You're more nasty. All sorts of, all sorts of evidence. But you don't have it, yes. Yeah, so. and, and that they'll do these experiments mm-hmm. where uh, um, even when people know each other, 
when and it's a classic email flame thing. Mm-hmm. We've we've all I, I will plead guilty to have gotten involved in email flame uh, situations because you don't see the look on the face right. of the person you're sending it to. Mm-hmm. And uh, so much of the work we do, in addition to this, the flaming on the web that you see in in politics, so much so much of the work we do. I mean, even with people I know. Uh, there's all these people I never actually see who I work with, and, and right. that happens to so many of us. So you're more likely to treat them as assholes if you don't see them. Yeah, you don't have as much empathy for them, and mm-hmm. and, and also it, it's less effective. So, so. Uh, so you wrote whole... you wrote the no asshole rule. Why the asshole survival guide? Oh, that's a good question. So uh, I I actually thought I was done <laughs> with being the asshole guy, and and I mean as you as you know, uh, it it took me um, some time come to terms with the fact that uh, I was the asshole guy, and I literally, I'd be invited to like, speak at a McKinsey event, you know, very serious McKinsey, senior executives. Yes. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine would introduce you, this is Bob Sutton, he's done all this stuff, uh, but no matter what he does, he'll always be known as the asshole guy. <laughs> like, How do your kids like, feel about that? Are they, uh, pr- they must be proud of you. What, what? Pardon me? How do your kids feel about that? They, they must be proud are, of you. All my kids think that it's great. I don't know about some of my colleagues at Stanford, because it's pretty weird, mm. but... Uh, but no, no, my, my kids actually think it's think that it's it's, it's um, pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but but what ha- but the at least the reason and, and you know this is, uh, as a, as a long uh, standing scholar and a person who deals with essentially the marketplace, the way the marketplace responds to what you intend to do, it's not a one to one relationship. I honestly thought I was writing a book in the, about organizational culture, the, mm-hmm. the, a real simple culture book, the No Asshole Rule, How to Build a Civilized Workplace. Okay, mm-hmm. so, so there's one chapter about how to deal with jerks. Uh, essentially, almost every day of my life since 2007... When you published I, the No Asshole Rule. When I published the No Asshole Rule, I get an email or somebody tells me a story, and, and, and the flow is, I'm dealing with a jerk... Here's what they do. Here's what I'm trying to do. Can you help me? And it's in the range is everything from uh, an email out of the blue from uh, a Silicon Valley CEO who writes me about board holes and douche boards. I'm like, this, this douche boards, nice. And, and and he just and if you're a CEO, that's your boss. They can really make your life miserable. Absolutely. To, to a Costco worker who she described to me how she had this horrible first line supervisor and how she got through a terrible year with him and. Mm. And so, and I, I pastors not... and doctors and you know not just religious leaders but, and people in organizations, but teachers. I mean, people in the most benign you know professions and human service activities. There's assholes everywhere. Yeah, yeah there are and lawyers, especially. You uh. know, I'm married to a lawyer, but there's a lot of the lawyers. They're at the top of lawyers and nurses. They're just terrible health care. But but in a lot of it and. Uh, you know, and, and to be careful about this. And yes, because there that, are many lawyers and nurses listening to you speak right now. So, well, but 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 lawyers and nurses. Let's start with nurses because okay, I, I mean, nurses. It isn't that nurses are naturally mean. In fact, nurses are. Nothing happens in hospitals without nurses. You could argue that, that you could have the doctors not come in for a while and everything would be fine, but you miss an hour with a nurse and everything falls apart. Um, but but the problem that nurses have is that. They they are beholden to so many people um, that they just, mm. they get so, they sort of get it from all sides. So they get it from patients, mm-hmm. they get it from fellow nurses, they mm-hmm. get it from nurse supervisors. Of course, they get it from doctors. Of course, and increase, increasingly they get it from hospital administrators. And mm-hmm. then they, there's all these rules and regulations they have to follow to save money. So, 
Uh, All right. So before we're done, I'm hoping you can tell us how to be kinder to nurses so that so that they get the support that they need. But I want to make sure that we get to what motivated you to do the asshole survival guide. So so the thing that motivated me was um, I I eventually decided that I would write a book because I wrote a couple books in between one on uh, bosses and then another one on scaling excellence. But, Which uh, is excellent, and I recommend it, you know, broadly because it's just such a great uh, set of guidelines for how to how to take how to take good ideas and and and, and make them flourish. But that's but that, that's, that's a, another that's topic. A, that's another topic. Um, although there's some companies where the two come together when you have a startup that scales really fast and it might be filled with jerks. Uh, mm. For example, Uber might qualify. So sometimes they do come together. But what led me to write it mm-hmm. um, was was that um, essentially I felt obligated to answer that question, and the entire book is uh, devoted one way or another to um, the question of essentially, um, I'm dealing with a jerk or a bunch of them. Uh, help, what do I do? Yeah. And uh, as right. with anything hard in life, there is no one-size-fits-all answers, but that's what I'm trying to address in this book. So what are the what are the big asshole problems that are out there? And, and please, if you could, in, in your in your response here, tell us what the total cost of assholes is and why that's important. Um, well, I mean, people uh, will come up with figures like twenty twenty five billion dollars in two thousand six, and I don't exactly know how they calculate it, and I wouldn't trust it. But uh, any exact dollar figure, but but uh, what's happened? And this is one of the other things that struck me, besides the fact that I got these thousands of emails and stories, is that, um, uh, especially since 2007, the amount of academic activity that has focused on, I would describe it as all things assholes, is just mm-hmm. staggering. So uh, real quick searches. Bullying, inf- incivility. Yeah. I know it. There's a profusion. It's a cottage industry on this on this Huge. domain of action. And that's because of the proliferation of conditions that give rise to assaholic behavior, if that's- I say if well, I, may say. I, think, I think that well, first of all, I think assholes have always been with us. Of course, but but we know how ac- we're academics. It, it, it's one of those things that you get a pocket of people who start studying mm-hmm. every aspect of the behavior. So mm-hmm. that's one thing. It be it becomes an issue. School bullying becomes a big thing, mm-hmm. and and, th- and and so on one hand, you get that a huge amount of of studies, abusive supervision. I, I'm, there's, I think there's 5,000 studies of abusive supervision right now. So, so, so like, what are the major asshole problems? Well, let, let, me, let me start. In some ways, uh, the way I like to define it is, uh, if you will, in our response, because there, there's such a range of things that people can do around us and to us, and we can respond in so many ways. So where I start is, uh, is when someone does something to you who leaves you feeling demeaned, de-energized, deflated, uh, oppressed, so somebody who makes mm-hmm. you feel like dirt. So, and, and the reason that I start there is, is there's so much variation, cultural variation and individual differences mm-hmm. in, in what leads people to feel as if they're being oppressed. Yes, there are some things that if, if, if you, you can do this in the lab experimentally where people are clearly rude, where if you call somebody a jerk, if you shove them, if you tell them they're, they're incompetent, um, if you put them in a hot room and uh, you yell at them, I mean, there's, the experimenters do all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, um, but, or you belittle somebody or you ignore them, you can sort of make a list. But in a lot of ways, it, it, it starts with the person's response. And the reason that I started with that is because there's so much, as I say, cultural and individual differences. 
and also another part of jerks, and this is my sort of mantra for the whole book, is uh, I have this argument that that we should all be um, slow to label other people as jerks and fast to label ourselves because there's so much biases where we tend not to see the way in which we are hurtful to other people. I love that you start with the bias-busting mantra. I see that as such a crucial aspect of what you're teaching in this book, to correct the, you know, the attribution error oh. that we all make. Uh, so why is it so imp- Why did you start with that, which really forces the reader to think, wow, I'm probably well, more well, of an asshole be, because, than, well, I, than well, well, I would me, like I to think. Well, for me, I think we've got to take some responsibility for our, I mean, and certainly there are people who are oppressive and engage in harassment and abusive behavior and, and objectively do terrible things. So I'm not saying that, mm-hmm. and I call them you know, certified assholes, they certainly, they certainly exist. But, but um, the certified versus the temporary, we need, to, we need to make that distinction. But please finish your thought first. But, 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 but I think that we do have to take um, responsibility for being part of the solution. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, that's um, where I start in, in terms of the bias. It, in the, so the survey data here is staggering. It's, it's something like 50% of Americans have witnessed, say they have witnessed, or been subject to um, extended bullying, and less than one half of one percent of Americans say they've done it. Hmm. And those numbers they don't add up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so everybody's saying you're the, you're the asshole, not me. That's sort of like a one sentence summary of the survey data, right? Right. <laughs> and, why uh, is that? Why do we, why do we not? Uh, why is it so difficult for people to to break through the that that uh, lack of awareness about their uh, own impact on other people in a, in that that might oppress or demean or depress other uh, other people. Well, well I, I I mean, as you know, as a, as a psychologist yourself, uh, we human beings have pretty dim self awareness, and the worst person to ask, well, whether or not you're a good boss or a bad boss, or whether or not you're an asshole, is is the boss or the person themselves. Mm-hmm. And there's all this evidence that uh, if, you, if you want to increase your self-awareness, don't look into the mirror of your heart. Ask people who know you well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Hold up that social mirror around the, you so you can uh, actually see yourself. And, and, you know, it's funny, since, since you and I have been in very long-term relationships with, uh, with uh, people who are probably, uh, in, in my case, certainly willing to tell me when I've been a jerk, it's actually that never really, happens to me, Bob, but with my wife. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> okay well, I was talking about my wife. She's really good. She's Just got a really kidding. Good, <laughs> she's, got, she's got a built-in sort of Bob asshole detector. I <laughs> my moments. Um, That's why you're such a great couple. I mean, she's so helpful to you in that way. I'm sure she's very helpful in that way. <clears throat> and she's a lawyer, so she's very precise about when I'm mm-hmm. in church. You need um, you need that specificity, definitely. Um, but, but, but this idea, this idea of having having people in your life who can tell you when when you've when you've sort of blown it and mm. can pull you aside, I think that it's, it's actually um, it's actually really um, one of those um, important things. So, um, so how much of an asshole are you really, Bob? I I, I I'd say ten percent of the time. <laughs> All right, that's an interesting <laughs> that's my assessment. Estimate. How how'd you get to that? Uh, I don't know. I, I certainly have my moments. I, I'm worse over email than anything else. So that's mm. one thing that I've had to discipline myself with. But but I think that, that um, you know, to that point, I think that we all can, un- in most of the time when I'm disrespectful, I, I do it unwittingly. And I think that's true of most people. Mm. There, there are people who have a higher proportion and who are nasty to everybody around them. And all we can do is to have people 
to help us sort of get through it. You, um, you need that social support and encouragement and, and the candor that comes with long-term or at least trusting relationships. So, so, so getting, you know, understanding how you're part of the problem, but let's, let's first, if we can, just identify what are the big problems that you hear about with respect to people acting like assholes? Well, well, well so, so I mean, if I would break them, there's, there's lots of different ways, but if I was break them down, I, I would say... There, there's three basic sorts of, of kinds. One is essentially people who are in your face, front stabbers, who say things to you that, that aggressively make you feel bad. So that's kind of one. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, and in some ways, those are the, the, when somebody wants to have a picture of an asshole, it's like the bulging veins or, mm-hmm. or the sneer. Screaming at you. Screaming at you, the insults, the glaring. Mm-hmm. Okay, but in some ways, they're almost the easiest to deal with because they're in your face. The the second way are the more subtle mm-hmm. digging and backstabbing the people who uh, who are really maybe nice to you in some time, and then they whisper little nasty things in your ear. The, or they you refer to them your, as grin fuckers, right? Yeah, the, yes, the, yes, the grin fuckers. <laughs> yes, that's a good example. Yes, boss, I'll do. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, so that's the second kind. And, and, and the third kind, to me, and, and, and this is an oversimplification, but, but it's people who do not treat you with sufficient respect and even treat you as if you're invisible. Mm. And, 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 that, and, that I, and I think that you know, there's this research on microaggression and stuff like that. And to me, that's one of the, the, the classic sort of ways. And just to, to tell you a little story, because as you know, my, my wife, uh, for some years, uh, was managing partner of a large law firm. And I remember her telling me that she came back one day and she, she pulled two senior partners in her office. And what had they done? They were standing in front of, and, and it's the kind of thing where the, 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 uh, the lawyers have real offices and the, the staff are out in cubes, right? So they're mm-hmm. leaning over an assistance cube, an assistance cube. And she said they're, each of the lawyers were making at least a million dollars a year. And the assistant's probably making $50,000 a year. And, and so when they're standing there talking, she can't do her job, first of all. So they're treating like she's invisible. And what are they doing? They're bragging about their brand-new Mercedes and which one is even better. And, and, and you think about that, that, that. That's a situation where they're treating her as if she's invisible. They're making it impossible to do her job. And so she pulled them aside and she said, okay. Let's see how it would feel. And, 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 I, and I think that, I don't know exactly what you did. My wife, who is very good about doing perspective things, it, it, it would be like having, you know, two billionaires um, standing in your office bragging about their, uh, their Learjets or whatever, the, you know, their mm-hmm. private jets. And, uh, and, and so to me, that, that, of course, everything in this situation, this is an oversimplification, but it does require somewhat different uh, strategies to deal with different sorts of jerks. And, and, the, and the big thing with jerks, there's lots of, of variation, but the, the main thing I always focus on is when you've got a jerk, does that person have more power than you, yes. less power than you, or about the same? Okay. Does have a lot of implications. So let's talk about what to do. Uh, okay. and, and, let's, and yeah, sure, go. Break it down according to where you are in the, in the, in the status or power but, hierarchy. Well, that's, that's, that, that determines your options, but to me... You know, because we want to make sure that we have uh, talk a little bit about uh, the strat- the strategies and the, the the four main chapters of the book. But I think they generally work when when you are feeling um, oppressed or demeaned by somebody. You've kind of got four kinds of options. Yes, what are one they? is you can get out. You uh, believe in quitting. You start make a clean I, getaway. That chapter with a perfect sentence. I believe in quitting. 
I really, if, if it sucks and you have the power and you can get better options, mm-hmm. you might do it with a little bit of class. Um, you might do it a little, with a little bit of dignity. It probably will help you mm-hmm. um, um, be gracious. But, uh, but if you can get out of a bad situation, I think it's important. One thing for your listeners that I always emphasize is uh, that um, that doesn't always necessarily mean quitting the organization you work for. Uh, right. Very often, because when you work in a, especially in a larger organization, you have better information about uh, where there's uh, less nasty people than where you are now. Mm-hmm. And if you just take another job at, I don't know, your, I'm in Silicon Valley, so I think we're a random place like Google or Salesforce, which are giant, well-managed organizations with uh, quite humane CEOs. But yes. either one of those organizations, you can end up with a terrible boss. Of course. Or, or, or a team. So, so fi- find another home in your organization if you're able to do that. But look, look for the qualities or the conditions of... Uh, the social conditions that that enable people to or encourage people to act in a, in a humane way, which is, I guess the opposite of asshole is is, hum, is humane. Is, is humane, civilized, treating treating you with dignity. Is dignity. Like, and, and, and this is the case, you know, uh, our friend and speaking of Wharton and colleague, uh, um, Adam Grant, he, he's written some great stuff on the, the virtues of, of, uh, of sort of um, socially effective gossip. Uh, mm-hmm. In a large organization that you're part of, you usually can get better gossip than um, another organization, although mm-hmm. you, you may have good gossip. So that's one. The second one is if you're not going to um, escape, at least for now, I think of it as sort of kryptonite or a toxic substance. Find ways to reduce your exposure to it. Uh, physical distance. Uh, I do confess in the book that I had a, um, in academia, I will be a little bit vague, I had a colleague who was really, really toxic that I kept having to deal with. And I went to as few meetings as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I um, left them early. I um, I would mm-hmm. try to sit as far away from this person as possible during meetings. These are your and, uh, these are your asshole avoidance techniques. Asshole avoidance techniques, and, and and it's really funny because it's one of those things. After about seven or eight years of this, I started talking to other colleagues. They're all doing the exact same thing. <laughs> So these are naturally occurring, uh, uh, you know, um, practices that that people that people take up to protect themselves. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and, and and they're they're not they're not perfect. And then the, the the third thing, which by the way, your wife Hallie knows a lot more about than I do, because I mostly stole them from cognitive behavioral therapy, which yes. is which is finding ways where if you're not going to change your situation, you might not be able to control your situation, but change to try to change the way that you interpret and respond to mm-hmm. it so it's not so threatening. The mind tricks that protect your soul. What, what are the main ones there? Well, there's, there's lots of, of different ones. Some of, my, some of my favorite ones, well, first of all, just uh, sort of convincing yourself that it's not as bad as it seems, which mm-hmm. sometimes that is true. That's a classic cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. approach to get a little bit uh, more specific uh, some of the ones um, that that um, I like are, uh, they call it temporal distancing or time travel. Mm-hmm. Classic cognitive behavioral therapy approach to make it seem like if it's less bad is when you're dealing with a jerk, tell yourself uh, this isn't going to last forever. When I look back on it a couple of weeks, a couple of months, even this weekend, it might not seem so bad. Uh, Humor is great mm-hmm. because you can sort of laugh at people and uh, see the funny side of assholes, and assholes are actually quite funny. 
Um, that's that's how the Germans are dealing with Nazis, and that's what we're, we're, they're trying to teach us how to do here in the United States. Laugh today. at Nazis. I, laughing at Nazis doesn't work for me. So <laughs> maybe it's just well, because of my family history. I understand completely, and this is something we may take up in our in the second half of the show, which is which is fast coming upon us. So so there's there's uh, the reducing your exposure. There's the mind tricks, which we'll get into in response to people calling. Just give us the fourth one, and then then we'll go uh, to break. Okay, so the fourth one to me is 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 fighting back, and you know real quickly uh, how you're going to fight and how intent and when you're going to fight. You got to figure out uh, how much power do I have because if you go to war with somebody and they've got ten more times more power than you, then it's not good. It, the second mm-hmm. thing is to try to have allies, and the third thing, very important, is to have some documentation mm-hmm. Be- because uh, if you end up in a he said she said or he said he said or whatever situation uh it's much more difficult than if you have documentation so and we can talk about some specific ways to fight back but uh the more explicit the the conflict and the and the harder you're going after them the more power and better documentation you probably need of some kind you need you need evidence yeah, you need evidence in the in the court of uh, public opinion, as it were, within your within your social setting, to be able to persuade people to either, as you put it, uh, reform, defeat, or expel the jerks you're having to deal with. And sometimes, and sometimes, by the way, in addition to like fighting them, you can convert them and work on your relationship with them. And mm-hmm. that's that's one thing. In the eyes of older, might somebody you think is a jerk, and then maybe you do a cooperative project with them. Maybe you come to understand them better. Maybe you get them to do some favors for you. There's lots of evidence. When somebody starts doing favors for you, they start liking you more. So, so, so it is, it's possible to reform a certified asshole, Bob? Uh, well, I think that there are some who are past reform, mm-hmm. but, but a lot of times there are people who... Uh, I, there's a great line I had a guy, I had from a guy at IDEO, which is a company I've worked with forever, and he, he said, uh, you know, so everybody I ever heard was an asshole, was once I worked out with them closely on a project, I decided they were actually okay, and, and there's all that old social psychological research that it isn't just mere exposure to people of different races and different people who that you have a bad opinion about. It's when you actually do something cooperatively mm-hmm. with someone mm-hmm. that you'll come to like and admire them. And this, by the way, this does not work for everyone. Right. But uh, this this goes back to my mantra of being uh, slow to label pe- other people as jerks because as you get more information, you may turn out you're wrong or their behavior might change too. And it, and it may be that, uh, you know, if there is like a superordinate goal, as I think they called it in the old uh, yeah. su- social psych research, if, if you two are working together on something that matters to you both, particularly a common enemy, uh, you can find common ground and perhaps see the soul uh, beyond, uh, you know, the mask of, uh, of of the terrible person that, that you thought they were. Yep. Bob, what about the spillover effects into family well, life? Oh, boy, I mean, you, you know this from um, your experience in, in, in the research, but, uh, but the, the evidence is, is, is that uh, when you have a work situation where uh, you feel as if you're uh, demeaned, you're treated rudely, you're not treated with... Um, the, the respect and dignity that, that you deserve, um, people are bad-mouthing you, whatever, uh, that it has all sorts of negative effects on one's physical and mental health, on mm-hmm. family relationships, on sleep. And we all know when you start having trouble sleeping how bad it can be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, and there's, there's a whole uh, series of, of studies that show how difficult 
um, it, it can be in this sort of ripple effect where it, mm-hmm. it affects your relationship with your, your, your spouse, and then your spouse sort of uh, will um, then have more difficult relationships with kids, all sorts of negative effects. So it does not stop at work. It doesn't stop, and it, it spills out. So this is not just a problem in the workplace. It affects your life too, like so many things at work yeah, do. Yeah, like so many things. Chris is calling from Iowa. Chris, welcome to Work and Life. Hey, Stu. Hey, Bob. How's it going? Hi. How you doing, Chris? Oh, not too bad. What's your What's your story? So, I'm I'm uh, I've recently switched jobs about six months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, sales position, and uh, kind of a in a in an industry. Pretty much everybody that I work with pretty much makes about six figures, and um, uh, I have the past six months. Um, three of the six months I've been the number one in sales in our office, um, and I'm getting a little bit of, of flack. Uh, you know the you know uh, where are you getting your leads and what are you selling? You know, and this isn't the first time it's happened. Before this, I was with a company for two years. Uh, and it was, you know, I was friends with everybody at that particular company. And so it was, oh, you're getting favoritism. You must be cheating. And I was, you know, I was number one in sales there for the first year that I was there at that previous company. And it got so bad that I had to leave because I was just, I was just, I mean, it, it was, I was coming home. Just, I hate my job. You know, I, I, I used to love my job. And now every time I go in there, I'm doing my job the best that I know how and I get accused of cheating or getting getting favorable leads or you know getting extra things this and that and it, it, it truly never happened and with this new job uh, the company I work for they have a very very strict way to do things very very organized so there's no way <coughs> that I that I'm aware of that anybody could really even cheat the system or get additional leads or better leads than somebody else it's not how that it's not how they do things in this organization so where so, where are these accusations coming from what motivates them and, and more importantly Chris, how is it affecting you well it, it, it hasn't started affecting me at this point other than the, the, the other than the fact that i'm noticing and i'm talking about it a little bit more um a couple of the other sales guys that have been there you know five years plus uh have made mention of you know uh you're you know you must be taking all of my good leads and I'm just, I, that's not how it works. Like they assign them to me. I, I get my, I get my schedule. Here's where I go. These are who I, the people I talk to. Uh, so that it's not, it's not like you, you go into a bucket and just pick things out. They get assigned to you by sure. a separate department in the company. But, so, so um, but it's, it's just, it's just getting to the point where. So I'm sir, can I, can I ask, ask you a question? So in, in, in any situation like this, there's the, possibility that there's going to be, you know, to use the modern word, haters, like we all have to deal with people like that, but there's also potential um, allies. So to, to protect both yourself, both your livelihood and your mental health, are, are there people you can go to or you do go to to um, be allies for you, um, either coworkers or bosses? I don't think I've been there long enough to really know anybody that could, that, that I would that I would feel comfortable kind of confiding in these kind uh-huh. of things. I mean, it's not like it's it's not out in the open. It's generally like when I'm one-on-one with somebody. Uh, and, it, I mean, it's it's happened three or four times already. Hmm. I'm thinking, like, am I going through this again? Like, okay. I mean, I I, mean, I'm, I I realized a long time ago, I'm a professional salesman. I mean, uh-huh. it doesn't matter what you have. If you have a product, I can sell it. 
Right. So I have I've learned that it doesn't matter where I work, I'm going to be successful just because I'm I'm good at talking with people, making connections, and 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 knowing the value of the product that I'm selling. Uh-huh. So this again, I'm I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, is this really happening again? Like. Am I really like coming in just doing my job like everybody else? Right. And now it's all of a sudden I'm getting accused of. What else would you want to know, Bob? To try to, uh, I want to jump in here. Sorry, Chris. The the thing I'm, I'm, so the the thing I'm trying to figure out, Chris, is uh, is, the first thing is is how bad is it? Is it just a couple Mm -hmm. of people who occasionally make snide comments? And if that's the case, then my perspective is try to do stuff so it so you can tune it out and to discount it. Because if it's honestly, if it's just one or two assholes and everybody else doesn't care or actually likes you, well, there, there, there's there's no there's nowhere in the world we can go where there isn't going to be somebody who dislikes us. So if if you were having the opposite problem, probably the same assholes would be teasing you for hardly being able to sell anything, right? So do you think? Right. So 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 that to me that's that's one issue is to, is, to, is to try to is to try to. Uh, separate from whether it's a general problem. And I always talk about this notion that if you're living in the Lord of the Fly situation where it's all assholes all the time, mm-hmm. if you're in that sort of situation, it's really bad. But if you have a few people who are getting under your skin, there's always, and, and Stu and I have been in academia forever, we could tell you there's always a few people who will get under our skin. I have no idea what you're talking about, Bob. <laughs> well, I will speak for myself, but but and I'm sure some people would say that about me. But 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 hmm. so to me, that's the first part of the situation is to try to is to try to think of well, gee, how bad um, is it? How bad is it in in terms of the number of people? And the, and then the other thing is is and I know when you're a salesperson, it tends to be more individual. But to the extent that you can even get one or two allies, it's amazing how useful one or two, it can be a boss, it can be um, somebody who you um, have a natural affinity for, um, because what it does is it both gives you support, because you can ask them if you're, you know, am I just crazy, or is this person really going after you? And then you have somebody to support you. A and, reality uh, check. You get a, you get a different perspective yeah. on how, how, how meaningful or important or bad the situation really is. Yes. Does does that does any of that sound reasonable? Absolutely, absolutely. I just like I said, I, I heard what you guys were talking about, and I'm like, this is like tailor made for what I've been kind of struggling with today. Just because. Well, well what do you think it, about what Bob is saying here, Chris? About uh, en- enlisting an ally or two. It, yeah, it, it really is only a couple of people, um, and I think really what I need to do, and we don't work in the office every day, so we're only right. see each other a couple of days out of the week. So I guess I really just need to kind of pay attention to who really doesn't feed into that kind of BS and and uh, and, and figure out who who I could consider an ally. Um, you know, it's just, like I said, these guys have been there, you know, five plus years, and I'm I'm not trying to ruffle any feathers, and and I'm a little gun shy to make really good friends with everybody. Mm-hmm. Like because at my last job, I was friends with everybody in the office except for five or six of the sales guys, which was guys I worked with every single day. And it was always like I went on vacation for a week and I came back and I had a two hour long sit down with the owner of the company saying that I'm getting favorite to I'm getting mm-hmm. favor, you know, getting. Uh, so it sounds know, like it is still gnawing at you, Chris, and that it is uh, it's, it, it's, it's, it's it's really sticking in your craw. 
Uh, so, so the notion of, of enlisting an ally or two to help you to get a better sense of the reality and for you to assess how bad it is, is that going to work, or is there, is there yeah. something else that you think Bob can help yeah, you yeah. with? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the other thing, you know, and I, the scientific term I use of this is, uh, is it in life uh, honing the fine art of uh, learning not, how not to give a shit? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that <laughs> you sound like my dad. A little bit of that might help you because because what what I'm hearing from you is that there in the other job if you have everybody against you then you, then you've got sort of the mobbing situation, but if it's a few people, uh, learning learning to not let the haters sort of touch your soul and to be proud of yourself and 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 that, and, that, and, and the other thing that I'm hearing from you well if if you're uh, one of the highest or highest performing salesperson uh, you're the people mm-hmm. the person that management wants. And uh, and in every, just every it, 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 Stu knows this extremely well. The, the evidence that when you've got a, a higher performing person than everybody else, um, almost always social groups will kind of pull, try to pull that person down. Mm-hmm. And uh, but somebody like you is really good for the company that you're working for. So uh, at least one natural allies might might be your bosses too. Um, but. Uh, but but I if it, if it's not a, a mobbing situation where it's not, there's not zillions of them I, I I would try to find ways to to do a little bit of emotional detachment see see if you can see what's mm-hmm. funny about them mm-hmm. um, on the weekends see if you can sort of sh- um, sh- um, shut shut it off um, things like things like that to try to create some emotional um, detachment and, and you know one of the things that I like is well it's only been six months. Uh, maybe some organizations they kind of put you through a hazing period, um, formally or informally. Hmm. Maybe it'll get better, um, or it'll get worse, and then you have to defend yourself. But, <laughs> then, I'll, but I'll, then I'll find you and, and call you back. <laughs> you can find me and call me back. But 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 I mean the the main thing that I'm hearing in you know Stu, I think did a good job of getting to this. That um, I think we're both wondering if you have a little bit of uh, PTSD from your last job. Mm-hmm. And you Without might a doubt, do. I mean, I wouldn't deny that. I definitely do. So you might be hypersensitive as a result of that. Is that, is that what you're getting at, Bob? Yeah, yeah, and, and we all get that when you get in a similar situation, mm-hmm. and and that's oh no, I've seen this movie over again. So be a mm-hmm. little bit more slow to overgeneralize to all your other other colleagues, and then and then I, it's funny you mentioned your dad, but uh, but it's it's hard not you know. It's, telling somebody oh you shouldn't care so much you shouldn't be so attached to something that's a big part of your identity is a lot harder to say than to actually do it but if you can find little ways to detach and it's funny uh kind of tune them out um find an ally to help you see it a little bit differently and it it doesn't even have to be a coworker, Mm -hmm. um or it it could be somebody out outside of life who um, helps you have a different perspective Chris, I hope this uh, this wisdom uh, and advice from Bob has been helpful to you, and I, I really appreciate your calling us on work and life. Thank you. Me too. That very interesting Thanks, guys. Um, problem. So, yeah. As a researcher, it's interesting, so thank you. Multi-layered in, in a couple of different ways. We, we had somebody else who was on the line who we, we just lost, but I, I have the notes from that. And uh-huh. if, Bob, let me, let me just toss this out to you. Sure. Um, he, he had an interesting question. He... Um, he had a director. Uh, he's the lead on his team, but he had a director under him that was that was acting in a you know as an asshole to other people. So, oh. how do you manage someone who is not acting in in a way that is you know oppressive to you, but to others that you care about? 
Well, well, you're also describing a situation where uh, he had some authority over the person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to me, and, th- and this is, it, it, it's one thing when there is a coworker or a boss who's acting badly and, and, and you need to bond together to fight them. But honestly, for all the bosses out there, um, I think that part of your job is if, is if you've got somebody who is, who is treating other people badly and you know it and, and, you're, and you're seeing it happen, uh, doing something like uh, my friend Kim Scott says, ruinous empathy, looking the other way. What is it? What kind of empathy? Ru- ruinous empathy. Ruinous, ruinous empathy. Ruinous empathy, where you sort of show empathy to the jerk, but you don't have the guts to give them the real feedback. Mm. Um, that and, and and there's all sorts of evidence that, especially with bad behavior, uh, doing things to nip it in the bud to the extent possible is is a more powerful thing. So to me, that's kind of a bad apple situation. And the problem is mm-hmm. that when you have somebody like that is if you don't nip it in the bud, you'll lose good people. Mm-hmm. You'll drive out good people. And then... Uh, so what is it that holds people back that inhibits them from taking that kind of action and instead acts in a ruinously empathic way? Well, well so, so one of the things is, honestly, it's harder. It, it has bad long-term effects, but it's just easier to tell everybody around you how wonderful they are to get through the next 15 minutes, right? It's <laughs> exactly. like, you're just wonderful. I'm not going to deal with... You in what effective leaders? Because then you're going to start screaming at me, and then I have to right. So, and, then, and, then, and then you wait till it becomes a crisis, and then everybody mm-hmm. has left, and things aren't getting done. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 to me, just at least my my perspective is that is that because of the negative effects, not just on well being, but on performance of treating people badly, that it's a it's a performance problem if you're mm-hmm. a boss. And 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 I know this. You being a Wharton, you have a lot of contact with professional service firms too. That if if it's somebody who's a really high performer and they're a jerk, mm-hmm. um, you as a boss have some responsibility to 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 um, pull them aside, both for performance reasons and I hate to use the word ethical reasons, but for ethical reasons too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, but it's really tough though. If you got a if you got a star who's a jerk. Um, the question of how you handle them—that's one of the big tests for professional service firms in particular. Whether you can deal w- with the, the the challenge of of, uh, of containing or changing uh, someone who's acting in a way that is yep. destroying the culture. Yeah, that's right. Containing, and, changing, or if necessary, getting rid of them. <laughs> I mean, you don't throw them out immediately. I think if you have people so, a warning, you get them a coach. Uh, people do get better. That that that's one other thing that I think is really important is that uh, is that it. It's it's usually not a permanent condition, even though there's some people who I know Machiavellian or narcissistic mm-hmm. who might have such strong tendencies. It might be a permanent condition, uh, but in mm-hmm. in many cases where people leave people um, hurt hurt others, uh, it might be because either they're going through a bad stretch because we all go through bad stretches in in mm-hmm. our our non-work lives too, um, or 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 it um, might be that uh, that they just sort of need the feedback. Uh, one thing that would happen when my wife. Um, was a managing partner of her law firm. There mm-hmm. were certain partners who believed that it was strategic. So I call them strategic assholes, but who believed it was strategic to treat other people like dirt because that's how they got ahead. And that's where uh, people who uh, have some responsibility for the reward system, mm-hmm. for how praise is handled out, for the, the superstars that they annoyed, it's, it's their job to sort of uh, say, no, that's not how you get ahead here. But it is tough, especially if you're if you're reluctant to upset a star performer yep. and you know fear that they might bolt if you try to you know do anything but treat them with kid gloves. 
and to me that it's it's sort of up to you to figure out whether or not to do it. I mean, this is is this another of, situation where it helps to have allies to uh, to to intervene? Yes, even when you're a senior manager, by mm-hmm. the way. That's what I mean. Cause, yeah, because you want to bring together uh, different folks, so you're all um, you're all sort of sending the same message. Bob, we are uh, unfortunately running out of time here. Uh-oh. Your last your last word of advice in the book. It's on you. And you are not alone. <laughs> what, what what does that mean? And, and tell us, tell our listeners, like why that's so important. Well, so um, to me, it's on you if, if you're in a situation um, or want to avoid situations where uh, you feel demeaned, uh, de-energized, and so on by by other people. To me, it, it's 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 on you to, if you will, figure out your own strategy because there's no instant one size fits all. Um, strategies i mean just talking to chris i mean he had a really complicated situation honestly Mm -hmm. and it's not like we could give him uh, two minutes of advice and his life was instantly fixed you've got to uh, do your own analysis and sort of figure out the situation so that's one way it's in which it's on you it's also on you and this is my perspective about uh, the obligation we have to help one another to help other people and then and that's the other part of your you're not alone is to figure out whether you're being a jerk, to figure out how to deal with jerks, to have, um, a- to have allies. Uh, to me, th- this notion that, uh, that, that, that the people around us, are the, are, they're the problem, but they're also the best solution to dealing with many things in life. Because if, if you only focus on your own um, perceptions and your own resources, you really have a limited view of the world mm-hmm. and a limited ability to solve problems. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and it's interesting that we, this guy, Chris, was a, sales, a salesperson because so many of us in Western society, and we know this, it's such an individualistic world that so many of us grow up in. Mm-hmm. And I'm not an advocate for socialism or anything like that, uh, but the most successful even capitalists that I know are remarkably good at finding others to support and help them and also are supportive um, and helpful in return. You can just, you know... Bob, we are we are at the end of our time. I, gotcha. I have to thank you uh, so much for being my guest tonight. How can listeners find out more about your book and, and your other work? Um, so uh, probably the best place to visit is bobsutton.net. So mm-hmm. bobsutton.net. And uh, since I've just got the website fixed up. and uh, It's awesome. And so that so that's a good place All to right. go, and I think you can find out everything you need there. The Asshole Survival Guide, a brilliant work. Thank you for producing it, and thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thanks, Stu. It was fun to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Bob Sutton, and that it stimulated some new ideas about how to manage the real jerks in your life, because everybody faces social interactions in which someone is treating someone else in a way that demeans, degrades, or depresses them. And it's important to know how to keep such interactions to a minimum and how to defend yourself and to help others to do the same. If you're going to create a world in which you and the people around you, all of us, can find the freedom to pursue the lives we really want to live. And Everyone needs help with that. No one does it alone. So here's a challenge for you. An invitation. It's based on Bob's research and work that I and a number of us have done in the field of organizational psychology, and that is to strengthen your network of support. Why not 
try taking some small action to create a new ally this week. Allies are necessary to help you get things done, and they can protect you, of course, against the negative impact that assholes can have. So, who at your current job or maybe in school is a potential ally for you? And how could you take some small action to further a relationship of mutual trust and support with that person? Someone with whom you share values and and aspirations. What action could you take to get closer to or to befriend someone who would in turn benefit from being in a mutually supportive alliance with you? I'm confident that even just thinking about this question for a minute will help to start raising the chances of your actually being able to build, take action to build a stronger network of support. Let me know what you think. You can write to me, friedman at wharton.upenn.edu, or tweet at me, Stu Friedman, S-T-E-W-F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. And for more on this really important topic, you can check out the skills that I describe and illustrate in my book, Leading the Life You Want, the piece in particular about building networks of support, and read Bob's great new book, The Asshole Survival Guide. Bob Sutton, it's indispensable. I hope that you get it and enjoy it and share it with your friends. One last note, uh, one of our uh, past guests, the great Jason Freed, who is the CEO and founder of Basecamp, He was just profiled in an article in the New York Times a couple of days prior to this recording on September 1st, 2017, and I recommend you check out that article and listen to my conversation with Jason, which is episode 27.